Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Today, I got a word in my heart. I want you to do me a favor, and in your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. The other version says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea, unity and love, the ingredients for the gifts to flow. Come on, would you pray with me? Dear King, I love you. I thank you for this moment, this time that we can just speak to you. Um, Father, regardless of what separation there might be because of time, Lord, or because of the camera, because of angles, because of internet or Wi-Fi, or maybe even the podcast, Lord, through audio, I pray that the separation that has happened there from this moment right now that I'm praying until they hear it there, pray that it would not lose one ounce of your glory, your strength, your power, Lord. I pray that we would hear it and that it would be so ingrained in our heart that we would live out what your word says, Lord. Help us to be informed, Lord God. Help us to understand the gifts, Lord. And help us to work with you, Lord, to be co-laborers, Lord, as we do this thing, Lord, of reaching people to come to know you, that a man or woman will close their eyes, that their faith will be placed in you, and that their names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for the privilege that we have to be a part of their story, Lord. Lord, I love you, and I thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Lester Summerall, in his book, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit, wrote this paragraph or these couple of sentences that I think are, are such a beautiful place to sit this message on. And it says, perhaps the greatest thing about the gifts of the Spirit is the two foundation stones on which they are laid, unity and love. If the gifts of the Spirit are to function in any church body, these two elements must be present. These two ingredients are needed for the gifts to be able to flow and to move about in the life of our church. I can tell you that they can actually disunity, that a lack of love can actually quench. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, do not quench the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to be able to stop the move of the Holy Spirit. It was Nazareth that was filled with individuals that did not allow for Jesus to heal them. It was in his hometown. So you have the power to be able to stop the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that even in your life, you can even stop salvation in your life where you don't accept Jesus. And we understand that the end of that is not an end that you want, but we have the ability to say, no, that's why it's so beautiful that God has created us so different. He gave us his identity, but then he made us free moral agents where we have this one thing. We have free will and we can make our own the decisions that we want in that we exact the nature of who God is by him placing free will on us you know he makes us like him that's why the devil hates you and we talked about this in 30 60 100 hopefully if you haven't listened to the message go back because you can make a decision and not only that you have the image so when the enemy looks at you he's mad he gets upset because God pissed him off by giving us the image that every time he looks at you he still sees God every time he looks at you he still sees what his future could have been and it makes you could be a you can be far from God. You can even hate God, but your, your image is still that of God. The goal is not to stay there. But what I want you to understand is that you don't earn your way into the image of God. You were made in the image of God. And the beauty of this is that we are made in the image of God. In that, God has put a spirit inside of us. And that spirit begins to yearn. We've talked about it over the, next, over the last few weeks. And we're going to continue to talk about it. 
But when you grab that spirit and you put it down because the dogma got you, because somebody with a microphone did something to hurt your feelings, you don't understand it. When all of these things happen and you quench the spirit, you can actually walk through life as a Christian, as a believer. You can enter the kingdom of heaven and God will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. But this side of eternity, there was so much that you could have done because the filling of the Holy Spirit could have been inside of you and could have actually came out, John chapter 7, out of you, rivers of living water. So many things could have happened. You could have affected the kingdom in such a mighty and incredible way, but you, you stayed uninformed. Hopefully today I, I inform you a little bit. A surefire way to put out the gifts of the Spirit in the church is through disunity, is through a lack of love. You can quench the Holy Spirit through those things. When, when there's division in a church, when there's gossip, and here at Greater Church, man, we've made it. We've given you a license. You are ministers of reconciliation. We do believe that that means that you are telling people the gospel. That's the power to say. It's the gospel. And you will have an obligation or responsibility to tell people the gospel. But we also believe that reconciliation is from man to man as well. Not only from God to man, but from man to man. And if somebody speaks in your ear something about somebody else, that you have the authority here at Greater Church to say, we need to go have a conversation with that person. You can't live with that in your heart. I didn't like the way he said that. Well, let's go talk to he. I don't like they. What they let's go talk to they. Let's have a conversation and let's bring restoration. It's not an anger. It's not in bitterness. It's not in, 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 in this weirdness. It's actually bridging the gap and creating that. You know, when you're mad at somebody and you, you don't talk to them, maybe your wife, oh, you never argue, or husband, and you know, after that, you have a conversation, you feel so good, you're like, look at this meme that I saw on Instagram, now I can show it to you, like, you felt like I couldn't even talk to you. Now, that feeling afterwards is what we want to live in. That feeling is powerful, it's, it's just strong, you can feel it when you're restored with somebody, when things are back to normal, but when you create that, a marriage can't stand in a lack of unity. You want to destroy marriage? Do things by yourself. Don't tell your wife what you're spending, what you're doing, how you're doing it. Do things by yourself. Wives, go out there shopping. Don't tell your husband you're spending money. Remove love out of the equation. A relationship, a marriage, a friendship will come apart. Here is the beauty of what the gospel is speaking about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul dedicates an entire portion of not only explaining the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the nine different gifts that are listed there, but then he begins to talk to us in these terms of unity. Because I believe that unity, if we can actually get that and base our life on that, if we can actually have unity, what ends up happening is that once we are filled with unity, the beauty of this is that this can actually change. It can actually create things to happen. Why? Because the church in Acts chapter 2 started in unity. They were all in one accord in the upper room, and then they all were filled with the Spirit. The heaven is in unity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that there is order in the way that it does it, that the gospel itself, that God would send his son into the world, that his son would live a sinless life, and that his son would die for our sins three days later, that he would resurrect. It was all in perfect unison in the way that he moved. A couple things about unity that I want you to write down. Number one is that unity has energy. That unity actually brings something about. I love it when we're in leadership moments or in teaching, or even in the church when we're doing vision teaching. And I can't do it now because you know you don't have a coat. Maybe you have some people there and you can try it, but we ask people, yo, what's your favorite color? And the count of three, shout it out. One, two, three, yeah, blue, green, You hear all this pandemonium chaos. But then all of a sudden I say, everybody, I want you to say this red. I just want you to say red. And then at the count of three, we say one, two, three. Red and everybody, there's such clarity, not chaos. There is clarity in that. You can feel that thing. I believe that when we are together, when there is unity in the body of Jesus, that there is nothing that we can't do. I can back that up with scripture. In Genesis 
chapter 11, verse 9. 11 verses, 11, I mean, I'm sorry, 1 through 9. I, I really want to highlight verse 6 because what happens is that men has gotten together and there was languages all different, different places. And in the land of Shinar, they got together and they said, yo, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come together and let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves that were ill-willed. Least we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Let us become something great so that we don't get divided. They had ill intentions. But look at what verse 6 says. It says, and the Lord said, behold, oh, I'm sorry. They began to build a tower, and that tower was to reach heaven. And they wanted to make this huge monument, and they wanted to build this tower that went all the way up to heaven. This is what they were thinking in their hearts. And this is what God says. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people, unity, and they have all one language, unity. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Remember that this is based in ill intention." That they had malice in their heart. They just wanted to be famous. They had pride in their heart. Pride, which is the very reason why Satan was cast out from heaven. This is how they were starting their unity. And look at what God says. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. That when you're united, when we're actually moving together as a unit, that there is nothing impossible towards us. God understood that. He said in John chapter 17, let them be one as you and I are one. Jesus speaking to the Father, one of his last corporate prayers, that the world will believe that you sent me. There is power in unity. The gospel is shown that God sent his only begotten son. The gospel is shown in our unity. When me and you are one, we become one with the Father in unity. We begin to see the gifts move in such a beautiful way. Number two, I want you to write this down. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 19, it says, For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? God needs different type of people to do different types of works. That your story actually matters. But here's what I want you to understand. That God has created each of us differently. Your story, though it is not my story, it matters. Your experience is not my experience, but it matters. Your life is not my life. Your assignment is not my assignment. Please understand that where I am weak, you are strong. And where you are strong, I am weak. We do this thing together. Can I tell you that I can preach and God has given me the gift and maybe you have an administrative gift. I, I you know, I got a wife that's incredibly administrative and sometimes, you know, I, I can be administrative if I need to. But where I'm weak, you become strong and together we're able to move as a unit. We've adopted this phrase. We've based our church around that we're greater together. Your story matters. You are important to the kingdom of heaven. The unity that you possess and that I possess, together we become like Voltron. Come on, I'm dating myself. Power Rangers to some of my 90s kids and 2000s kids. It's when we come together that the enemy is terrified because it is in this unity that we actually begin to see God poured into our lives. Number two, it's not only unity, but I believe that it is love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we've always taken this scripture um, and this entire chapter 
to me, and we've had weddings around it, and we've talked about love, and, and it's been beautiful, and there is so much deep um, wells uh, that we can actually pull from here when it comes to love, but do you understand that this was still, there are no chapter breaks in the Bible. The Bible got chapter breaks so that we can understand it, but First Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit where Paul writes about them, verse, chapter 13, it's talking about love, but it's also talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit when it pertains to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because what he's saying is that you can have all these gifts and you can give money away. Your body can even be burned for the gospel, but if you don't have love, you don't have anything and he starts this beginning chapter of chapter 13 and he begins this thing I mean just hammering if you don't have love bro you're just a clanging symbol you just you can speak in the tongues of men and angels but if you don't have love you're just, it's, it's useless a couple things about love that I want you to see because I believe that when we are filled with love remember we're filled with love we, we're filled with unity but I believe that when we're filled with love, there's a few things that happen. Number one, love is inclusive. If you ever met, I know you did. Don't look to the side of you, look straight at me. You know those people that are like just negative about everything, bro? Like, I mean, just everything. Hey, good morning. Well, it's not a good morning. It's raining all day. Hey, it's been raining last week. It's going to rain. There's a hurricane down in Miami. Yeah, but it's not doing so good. Hey, here's a million dollars. I want to bless you with a million dollars. Oh my God, I got a million dollars. I got to pay too much taxes for this. Here, what? It's going to be crazy. I don't know what to do. What about house? Here, here. This is going to be bringing me so much. Like, people like that, you can just feel them. And sometimes, if I'm honest with you, you're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be around you. Like, you need the itch, bro. Like, you're so, it's toxic. Like, you can feel it. And yo, listen to me. If you are one of those people, you feel like you're negative Nancy, and it's always like something bad. Yo, there's freedom from you. And there's God that actually can help you to become move from negative to a positive. That Jeremiah, that he built the wall, and halfway through the wall, he didn't say, oh, my God, we're only halfway done. The Bible says he backed up off of it. This is what I want you to do. This is the hope of the gospel. And what I pray in Jesus' name that you would do if maybe you struggle with this is to back up off the wall and say the wall is good my life is good look at all the things that God has done the second half of building that wall went so much easier because they chose to look at it and not say that the cup was half empty but say that the cup was half full and I'm not telling you to just be fake I'm not telling you to change your character but there are things that you need to glorify God in and when you become thankful and grateful you'll start noticing how some of these the works of the flesh start moving out of you and the works of of the fruit of the spirit, joy, love, peace, long suffering, these things start bubbling up in you and it begins to change you because there's something about loving people. You remember grandma? I go, grandma had a third grade education. Grandma wasn't the most intelligent or sharpest tool in the shed, but man, when she gave you a hug, like you felt it every time she talked to you. You had to stop there even on the way to work when you were having a bad day just to have conversations. You know people like that, that you talk to them and they're just so filled with love that they suck you in when they give you a hug and you're just like, oh my God, I've seen deliverance happen because of a hug, because somebody is filled with love. God is so beautiful in his majesty that he operates in love. Why? Because he is love. Love, and when you have it, when you have that in church, when you have that in a group of setting where the gifts of the Spirit are being activated, not just with a preacher or a pastor or a bunch of leaders in the church, but when the church is filled with unity and love, they begin to move in the Spirit. But without those two, it's hard, impossible yet, I say, to be able to have the gifts flow for very long if you don't have love. Because love is inclusive. It brings you in and it's for everybody. Everybody is to live in that. Number one, it's inclusive, but 
I believe that love covers a multitude of sins, as the Bible says. Levi, my son, <laughs> it's a couple of years ago. He was uh, he was into watching or playing a, a video game, and there was a you you had to earn certain points in a video game to buy your things. And Levi decides to go on YouTube, and as he goes on YouTube, he starts learning on how to hack the game and how to get in there and like get in the game and like be able to to, to like get more of those points so that he can buy more things and it's cheating and it's illegal to do those things and Levi went and he started looking at the YouTube and then he went on his computer and started to do little things on the PlayStation and try to do little things to be able to get at those points on there let me tell you something it, it, it messed up the PlayStation for a minute and he lost his ever loving mind he thought he, everybody's going to jail we're all dying I remember I was sitting upstairs and I just remember him running upstairs crying <gasps> He's had to be nine, maybe eight, nine, ten years old tomorrow. And I'm like, yo, who died? Stop. Just talk to me normal right now. Talk to me normal. I messed up. I did it. And I saw this as a teaching moment. So I went down there. And obviously, because they get into your PlayStation, they can take credit card information. They can take all of this. The boy wasn't smart enough to get to that last step because he didn't have the password because we put passwords on everything. But he got to a place where it shut something down. And it wasn't initially, it wasn't big. But I was like, oh, man, I don't know. Oh, I think I hear the police, man. They look, they might be knocking on the door. Thanks, Levi, I'm going to jail. I might be going to jail now. I just, and I just, oh, man, he just, oh, I'm sorry, I can't believe And I just saw him keep going and going and going. Listen to me, I should have been mad. I was laughing. I was pulling to the side and I was just laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, this kid. Thank God he didn't go far enough to where I wasn't laughing. Thank God it was a laughable matter. But it's funny. It was funny. But as I look at that, my love for Levi overshadowed his biggest mistake. Where he did something wrong, really bad. But yet after that, I hugged him. And I was like, buddy, nothing's going to happen. Papi will take care of it. Don't worry about it. And I saw that it was really bothering him. And I was able to love him through it. And like, yo, relax. Like, nothing's going to happen. Look, I'll fix it. I'm going to wipe it all out. Don't worry about it. And I was able to comfort him because that's what love does. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love doesn't hold on to this anger or this bitter bitterness. No, it, it actually ministers to us. It actually, it actually love maximizes and it makes you and it empowers you. Levi never again did anything like that. He's been very careful on what he even watches on YouTube. Hate, on the other hand, will actually maximize the ugly potential, the anger. I hate you. Why would you do that? When you're living in a state of anger or hate, you're always going to find yourself maximizing sin. But when you're loving, you'll minimize it because you know that it was paid for. And you know that I know you've made mistakes and I've made mistakes. I'm going to love you through this thing. I'm going I'm to walk with you through this thing. I don't want you to feel that way. And that's what God does with us. He could have paid our sin by burying us and raising up new people. He could have stopped and wiped the entire planet off. But no, he gave a sacrificial son. He took us through a process. And he allowed for his own son to be beaten, bruised, marred, dismembered in such a way. Died. Three days later, was resurrected. So that me and you can have life. I mean... Who does that? It's somebody who's filled with love. Could you imagine if we possessed that? If we didn't get angry every time that somebody does something, but that we would cover sin. I'm not telling you to be ignorant and just be, you know, let everybody step on you. But, but some things you just, like the prophet of old said, let it go. Let it go. Some things you just have to 
Maturity will create that in you. When you become like rubber in their blue moon, and it bounces off you. If you walk in that perfect love, it changes things. What is love? Love, the Greek, uh, the Greeks had four different ways of, of, of explaining love. It was storge, which is like your family love. Phileo, which is like a, 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 a friendship type of love. Eros, which is the romantic love. Some of us did that. Romantic love. It's a romantic love. And there's agape, which agape is the, the unconditional love of God. Love is a verb. Love is about not giving up. Love is about not being satisfied with watching people hurt. Not being satisfied with watching people in pain. In New York, the story is told of a man who was in an argument with a woman. And unfortunately, the the man stabbed the woman, and there was about 30 bystanders all around. And the man went away, came back, and again began to injure her and hurt her. The man left again, 30 people standing around, and on the third time he came back and he ended her life. And 30 people were standing around. And it's crazy because, you know, the interview came and they were like, yo, this, you know, there's a murder that happened in front of me. What, what, uh, why didn't you get in it? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you help her? And each and every one of them said something that I think is, is a picture of what humanity looks like for so long. What the church, unfortunately, has looked like for so long. We just didn't want to get involved. We didn't want to get in the middle of it. Can I tell you that your faith is not private? God didn't save you for you to be in your house, reading your Bible, and have this, you know, kumbaya moments, which is you and God but that we are to be action items. We are to be lovers of people, that we are to be involved in every one of those because I promise you, God is relying on us. That there is a license from heaven that is only activated by humans. That when me and you actually give God the place to be able to move in our lives and to move through us, he's looking for human beings to do the job to. That he needs human beings to do job to. It's the kingdom of God activated through man and through woman. And to me and you, we have to give God access the way we do that. We do it through love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he begins to break this thing down. Love is not satisfied. Love doesn't show off. It's not proud. It doesn't put myself first. I don't care about humanity. I care about myself. It's me and mine. I'm trying to make money so that my kids' kids can eat and make sure that they have businesses. Yo, if you do all that and you don't love people, yo, you're useless. Love, love is this multifaceted tool. It's, it does so many different things. It helps so many different people. It's like a flower. You can smell it when you walk into the room. And as a church, you can feel it. It is strong. It is powerful. But most importantly, can I tell you that love demands demonstration. It demands demonstration. It's a verb. You have to be involved. It demands demonstration. You can tell your wife or you can tell your husband, I love you, but if you don't demonstrate it, Y'all quiet now. Y'all quiet. If you don't demonstrate it, if you don't take time, spend time, buy gifts, praise God, quality time, gifts of service, actually be physical at moments, you have to demonstrate this thing. This is the way that it lives inside of us and that it comes out of us, rivers of living water, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking of him, himself, the Holy Spirit. But I believe that love comes out of us because God is love. And for some of us, we struggle with that. 
because we've never understood what love really means and we haven't really experienced it. And when it comes to love, we're just very reserved and very emotionally drained or emotionally isolated. And we're just like, yeah, I don't, you know, you stay over there. Like, I don't want to do You don't know it because dad, mom never showed it to you. And you struggle with this idea of love. Can I tell you that God showed it to you, that it's in scripture. Everything that you need is found in the Bible, that the Bible itself in Romans chapter five, verse eight, it's such a beautiful promise. It says, but God demonstrated, go highlight that in your Bible. God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That God went first. That he shows you how to love. That it's found in scripture. Mom, if dad, if your husband or your wife, if your friends or your auntie, uncle, even grandma, maybe grandma wasn't as loving as everybody else's. Though they didn't show you, God showed you what love is. He took the first step. You should have died. You should have been in hell. You should have paid for it for the wages of sin, the payment. If you work a job, you get wages of sin is death. But God showed us and God loved us in such a way that he gave us salvation. He gave us freedom, that he blessed us. And then he tapped us on the side and said, come with me as we change the world together. That God did that because love was driving him. That as you get into the scriptures, as you come to church and you learn these things, as you begin to talk with men and women who have been on this journey for a while, you start to learn what love is. But it's, it's faith. You have to receive it. By faith. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 is one of my all-time favorites. It's probably the first outside of the new creation. This was the first verse or verses that I memorized when I first became a believer that God demonstrated his own love towards us. In that while we were yet sinner, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus went first. That should stop the accusations of your mind that tells you I can't come to Jesus. I have to stop smoking, drinking. I have to stop doing what I don't want to be a hypocrite. Like, I want to make sure I get all these things because the pandemic created all these vices inside of me. And, man, I messed up. I've gone back to doing the things that I used to do. And pornography is ravaging me. And I'm doing all of these things. Let me get these things cleaned up before I come to God. You can't. God desires perfection. That's why he went first. He's already there. It's not about you taking two steps forward. God is already there. He hasn't left you. He's been there every single step of the way because he loves you. Because he wants you. I want to give you this promise. That if you respond in faith to that great love, that God will save you. There's some people who are watching online right now. And you feel like you're so far from God. And there's some people that you probably haven't even taken this step. Can I tell you that God already took the step for you? That God already began to start the work. It's no coincidence that you jumped on this stream that you're watching this message right now. And that God is telling, watch these words, listen to them carefully. They may sound different because you've heard it from so many different places and you doubt it, you don't understand it. Sometimes you can even hate these actual words, but I want you to hear them loud and clear. I want you to hear them from God. Father, I pray that you open their ears up and that they will hear these words directly from you. Listen, I love you. The Spirit of the Lord says, I love you. He took the first steps. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more.
more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at mygrace.